Welcome to Conversation Mill. Join me as I talk to individuals stepping out to pursue their passions, from small business owners to community leaders, and learn with me how we can work together to support our local communities and local economies. Visit conversationmill.com to learn more, but now please join us in conversation. I grew up in the country on 40 acres. It was private, and besides a short strip of hayfield that ran along the road, the property was protected on all sides by trees. This gave the child, me, a sense of having my own 40 acres of a secret garden. I built forts, caught frogs from the pond in the large water pools that would form after summer storms. I stalked deer, foxes, raccoons, and rabbits. I was independent and preferred the outdoors to the indoors. The outdoor freedom gave room for an expansive imagination to grow. To this day, I can imagine anything. Really, anything. Not much surprises me because I know how vast the imagination can be, for good and for evil. Imagination is the starting place of all dreams realized. Imagination is an underappreciated, now underdeveloped faculty. C.S. Lewis said, reason is the natural organ of truth, but imagination is the organ of meaning. What he meant by this was that we do not really grasp the meaning of an idea or a concept until we can connect an image to it. And the image conjured up by the settlers and immigrants that first came to the land surrounding where I grew up was a land of plenty, rivers to dam for mills, wild game for sustenance, land for farming, and a geographical location that reminded them of their homelands. In this little valley in eastern Wisconsin, nine and a half miles inland from Lake Michigan, nestled in the newly formed Sheboygan County, was an imagining realized. In December 1838, Sheboygan was organized in a county government. Wisconsin, however, did not join the Union as a state until 1848, and in 1850, the village of Hingham was platted. And Hingham, the once thriving village, is where my 40-acre childhood home sat the nearest to. The distance from our front door to the Hingham Mill Pond was the measuring stick for bike rides. The dilapidated bridge crossing the dam of the mill pond was the cool hangout spot where you could assert your independence. The baseball field right around the corner from the mill pond was the summer nightlife of a rural community, where we chased fly balls from the fast-pitch games to get a free piece of candy. Hingham was and is a tucked away and sometimes forgotten family community, with many having histories that go back generations with their roots tied to Hingham. The families of the Tibbets and the Hobarts were the first to arrive in the area, and while at first they referred to Hingham as Milford because of the dammed-up Onion River that was now home to a mill, they eventually settled on naming the town after Hingham, Massachusetts, after a merchant, Charles Rogers, suggested it. Hingham was ideally situated inland from the Lake Michigan coast, tucked between the rolling hills that make up western Sheboygan County. The Potawatomi Indians knew how plentiful this area was and how comfortably suited it was. They had a permanent village on the Onion River two miles east of Hingham. Early settlers traveling through this area certainly were interacting with the native people until they were removed from the area between 1835 and 1838 after the Treaty of Chicago was signed in 1833. 
The Potawatomi were marched west into Kansas and Iowa and other states. But some of the Potawatomi returned to Wisconsin and were known as the Strolling Potawatomi. At the same time, the Industrial Revolution was creating boomtowns, and along with it drove child labor, pollution in the surrounding ecosystems, and eventually sparked walkouts and strikes. But Hingham's history would not hinge on the Industrial Revolution, but on the railroad and the growth of the surrounding towns. Though Hingham did go through a heyday servicing its small population, in 1862 Hingham had eight businesses, two merchants, two blacksmiths, a shoemaker, a wagon maker, a gristmill, and a sawmill. In 14 years, that number was up to 26 businesses, including a hotel, a physician, a pharmacist, four manufacturers, an architect, and a print shop. Hingham was never to grow beyond this, however. The railroad never came. But before the concerns of the railroad or the impact of not laying track around the mill pond, Hingham's businesses and community flourished. A school was built in 1846 before the village was even on the books. Hingham maintained a school until 1992. The school districts were updated, and Hingham's children started attending Oosburg or Elkhart Lake school districts. We encounter this similar story across America. The railroad didn't come, or maybe it did and a boomtown went bust as industry shut down or as highways replaced train tracks. When district or county governments made decisions to save money by consolidating, sending smaller communities' kids to larger school systems. And this consolidation is the nightmare theme of small-town America, of main streets. There are all types of consolidations. Consolidating farms, consolidating the pharmacy to be the place where you can also buy meat and pajamas, consolidating ingredients to create foods that are preserved forever. When this consolidation occurs, the main streets of hometowns crumble against the ability to compete. The downtown economy moves outside the radius of the residential neighborhoods, and traffic starts to flow in the opposite way of downtown. Our local economies that once flourished and brought us together are now owned by one or two retail giants, and we have been separated from the processes and people that create the foods and goods we purchase, while we contribute to unfair, dangerous labor practices happening around the globe where our goods now come from. We praise progress and idolize convenience without thinking about the long-term effects or the alternative possibilities. But progress cannot always compete with the heart of a tradition and the people who honor it. Because small towns everywhere have a spirit that manifests in their traditions, and Hingham was no different. Even with a shopless main street, without a stoplight, and a status of unincorporated on the sign when you drive into town, Hingham came alive every Memorial Day. Memorial Day was an honored tradition where we learned to respect the sacrifices of those who fought for our freedom, and it was imprinted upon us in the Hingham Cemetery where the parade ended, where the veterans from the tiny VFW next to the mill pond led the parade with shouldered rifles and reminded us with the visceral impact of gunshots on a sunny day. Us kids would gather early Memorial morning and twist strips of red, white, and blue streamers around our bikes, tape American flags to our handlebars in preparation of joining in the parade. Memorial Day was solemn and sunny, a day that marked the beginning of summer. It was a hamburger on a Sheboygan hard roll. 
It was the past made present and the day we experienced our small town as it once was, bustling and proud. Country kids, small town kids, we know independence. We also grow up to know the value of being able to trade with your neighbors. A dozen eggs to help round up a loose cow. A car repair to let me borrow your trailer. We have an innate understanding that community often has to be proximity for help, for safety, for the ability to leave the community and explore beyond our own little corner of the world. We grow up to intimately understand the importance of the local economy thriving and surviving. Many of us see or experience the side effects on the infrastructure and on the people of a community that has been absorbed by a national or global economy model. I dream about what my memories and path would be if I was growing up when Hingham's small economy was still operating. If my first job was a bike ride from my house at the Hingham Grocery instead of a 20-minute car ride two towns over. If convenience did not replace knowing a shopkeeper's name. If progress didn't mean more isolation from ourselves. We can't undo, but we can start to retrain our brains from what is easy to what is actually in our best interest, to choose to shop local versus a retail conglomerate. As Conversation Mill grows, we will explore the economic impact of moving manufacturing overseas. We'll explore how technology expands what we consider our community while making us estranged from those around us. We'll learn about labor practices then and now globally and talk about the American dream and if it still exists and so much more. This is not an effort to romanticize the past or wish for years gone by, but instead an effort to identify how those decisions made in the name of progress affect our future. How playing out what ifs could take us down roads to find solutions to reconnect us to each other and our communities. Through celebrating our small business owners and entrepreneurs that create Main Street to drive our local economies. Through conversations with community leaders who rely on us to vote and participate in the decisions that shape our future. Through hearing how faith leaders and nonprofits are providing comfort and opportunities in our communities. And through listening to stories, viewpoints, and the beliefs of those that come together to form and make our communities stronger. This season on Conversation Mill, we will be meeting individuals that took the risk to start their own business and meeting nonprofit leaders working to lead change in their communities. We will be releasing weekly episodes every Monday. If you would like to be featured on the show or have a community story you would like to share, please visit conversationmill.com. Join our member-only community on Substack at conversationmill.substack.com to access additional content from each episode. From this episode, our Substack feature will be photos of the Hingham Mill Pond, Memorial Day, and poetry that I wrote about my time growing up on 40 acres east of Hingham, Wisconsin. References for this episode are from the book The History of Hingham, Wisconsin by Don Williams, Stephen Schaefer, and John Schwartz, and can be purchased on the Sheboygan County Historical Research Center website. 